Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. Let's talk about career breaks or sabbaticals. So what a sabbatical is, for those who don't know, is when a professional takes an extended break from their career to reflect and decide how to prioritize their life and career or to take an extended rest period due to professional burnout. Although the duration of sabbaticals vary, it's usually one year. Now, one of the biggest fears that I think professionals have when it comes to taking a career break or sabbatical is trying to get job opportunities when they're ready to start working, but fear that the stigma of taking an extended break will hinder their successes of landing a new job opportunity. Because there's a saying that goes that people who are currently employed are more desirable compared to people who are not. And studies have shown that people who are currently unemployed have a lot more difficulty when it comes to finding a new job compared to someone that's already employed. Because there's this notion that people who are unemployed are more desirable compared to people who aren't. However, I want to bust this myth. And if this episode makes you decide to take action and take that career break, then this episode has done its job. Because a career is about 40 to 45 years. And no one should work 40 to 45 years with only two to three weeks vacation a year during that time span. I think there comes a point in everyone's life where they want to take an extended career break just to relax and recharge so they feel energized once they get ready to get back into the workforce. And to help me discuss the topic of career breaks and sabbaticals and how to not be worried about being unemployable when you're ready to get back into work, I have invited Katrina McGee, who is a career break and sabbatical coach that specifically helps nine to fivers design mind-blowing breaks to create happier and more fulfilling lives. So in her career, after saving $40,000 in 18 months, Katrina sold all of her possessions and left her corporate job for a 20-month break to travel around the world. Upon returning to work, she landed five job offers in five weeks, paid off $42,000 of debt in full, and then embarked on a second career break. Katrina loves helping her clients create fail-proof plans to leave their jobs and take successful breaks of their own. Her clients end up returning from their breaks recharged, inspired, happily employed, and forever changed. Some of the notable accomplishments that her clients have achieved from taking some extended time off includes writing novels, traveling the world, and changing careers. Now let's get into my discussion with Katrina on how to strategize a proper career break to rest, recharge, and come back better than ever. Hi, Katrina. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Max. How was your week so far? It's been a wild ride. I'm a, a digital nomad, and so there was a lot of travel involved and then having to get down to business. But yeah, I'm excited. It's Friday, and I feel like I'm heading into a good weekend. Wait, so for people who don't know, what's a digital nomad? Yeah. So I basically have location independence with my work. And so I'm able to work fully remotely, and I'm able to be wherever I want to be and to do my work and to work with my clients. And so all I really require is my laptop and consistent internet. (laughs) That's like a dream lifestyle, like do what you want when you want. Yeah. You know, it's definitely a change. It takes like a different mindset to, I think, really thrive as a nomad and to have that much flexibility. But if it's for you and if you're someone that craves freedom and the ability to just do what you want when you want, I think it's a really magical time to be able to have that as an option. 
Awesome. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on is talking about like career breaks and taking sabbaticals because I know a lot of professionals are, they feel burnt out because obviously with COVID for the past like two years, so they feel like there's no balance, like they're working at home and they are resting at home as well. So there's, there's in that fine line in terms of like, when can you take a break? When can't you? Because like studies have shown that people are more productive when they're working from home, but it'll also be because they might be overworking. So some people are considering maybe taking a career break or a sabbatical, but again, they might think like if they take too long of a break, it might be harder to get back in because like the myth is, if it is a myth that people, uh, that companies tend to want to hire someone that's already working compared to someone that's taking a break, but we can get more into that a bit later. But you've actually taken a career break slash sabbatical and actually reinvigorated your career. So why don't you tell us more about yourself and how that happened? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and thank you so much for being open to having this conversation because I think this is an alternative option that is not often on the radar. And I think there's a lot, like you said, a lot of stigma around it. And so I think it's a really important option to be talking about. And so, you know, my personal story is that I was the rule follower, the person that really wanted to succeed in every job that I had, getting an accolade or an award here and there, but really feeling at the end of the day, like I was meant for something more than what I was doing. And I basically was just following the things I thought I should do. So it's like I got plopped on a path and I was like, okay, I must run as fast as I can to the end of this path without really questioning, is this the path I want to be on? And so I quit my first career as an actuary and went to business school because that seemed like a really smart way to escape (laughs) my first career and try to find happiness. Um, But unfortunately for me, business school was an amazing experience. And I ended up starting a second career as a market researcher. But unfortunately for me, I realized in that second career that Corporate wasn't the best fit and I was feeling really burned out. And I think, you know, the corporate culture was sort of compounding, hustling and that sort of like running as fast as I could and trying to be super successful, whatever that meant. And so I started seeing a life coach in 2011, maybe eight months into my second career. And it took me months to peel away the layers. Like I said, this wasn't on my radar either. It was sort of a deep dream buried so deep down inside. I didn't even know it. I couldn't hear it. But in working with her, I really got to listen to myself and be like, oh my gosh, all I want is to just take a break. And I really want to spend one year traveling around the world. And that felt scary. That felt unfamiliar. I didn't know anyone that had done it. I mean, this was like, you know, 11 years ago. And It was so hard to imagine how that would happen. But like deep in my soul, I knew that was what I wanted. And I was like, I've got to try, right? I've got to give it my best because this is something that truly feels like it's going to change my life. And, you know, it ultimately did. And as we sort of referenced, you know, I learned through that experience how powerful a break can be. And I sort of busted through the myth that it's sort of like career suicide or career ending or can kill your career. And when I came out of that break, I landed five job offers in five weeks. You know, one of them included a big raise and a promotion. One of them was a complete career change. And one of them was a dream job. And so to do that, it like blew my mind. And I just felt like, wow, I'm convinced of the power of a break when you do it intentionally and you plan it thoughtfully. And so that kind of led to eventually, you know, my third career as a career break and sabbatical coach. So why did you decide to take a break? And Mm -hmm. then... What did you do during those 20 months? It was 20 months, right? Yeah, 20 months. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do during those 20 months? And then how did you plan your next move to get those five offers like within the few weeks of you wanting to get back into the workforce? 
Yeah. So, you know, once I had this realization, I remember I was sitting on my life coach's couch when I had this just realization of like, I'm not looking for a different job or a different company. I just want to break. I started saving money. I was like, crap, this is real. I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but I've got to make this work. But I only had $1,500 in my bank account. And so I had to really, you know, change how I thought about money, change how I had relationship with money. And I had to just think of it differently. But I saved $40,000 in 18 months because when I thought about my dream break, I had sort of envisioned four parts, you know, one part being three months on a road trip through the US to visit friends and to see places I hadn't been to before, like the Grand Canyon. I envisioned three months at home over the holidays to reconnect with friends and family and to just spend quality time resting and recovering. I envisioned three months sort of going abroad and traveling my little heart out. And then I envisioned three months coming back to sort of figure out what comes next for me, like what I want to create after my break is over. Ultimately, when I saved all this money, I thought, you know, 40,000 seemed like the right amount, but I was so good at that point at spending and saving that I was able to go for 20 months before I basically spent most of that money. And so I spent a lot more time abroad, but I got to do all the other things I had wanted to do. And so, you know, when you ask me, like, what was that transition back like? And how did I sort of navigate into that, you know, five job offers in five weeks? I credit so much of that to that buffer period that I created at the end of my break to really get to know myself and be clear and to build from a place of curiosity and not desperation, like to build that next step. And so, you know, I refer to that period as the reentry period. And when I'm coaching with my clients, I make them build in a reentry period as well. And my rule of thumb for that is one for six. So for every six weeks that you want to be on a break, dedicating one of those six weeks to being on reentry. And so, you know, if you were a six month break, that would be 24 weeks. So you would spend about four at a minimum on the reentry. And it's so important because I think, you know, especially if you travel abroad, there's sort of that reverse culture shock when you come back if you've been gone for a while. But there's also this time to really freak out and have meltdowns. I mean, I questioned what I was doing. I wondered if my career was over. You know, people were worried for me, like, what are you going to do? And so I had to sit with all of that and find curiosity for who am I now? What brings me alive? What does an actual like good job look like? What would it feel like? What would be the qualities of that? And then going out and talking to people and having a conversation in a way where they were really excited about my break. And, and I mean, we can talk more about that, you know, in a minute, kind of like tactically what I did when I was really turned on back on, like flipped the switch and went looking for jobs. But ultimately, I do credit so much of that to the reentry period and really just dedicating time to work out all those kinks. Can you quickly elaborate what you mean by reentry period? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on your break, oftentimes a lot of my clients want to travel. That's not necessarily all they want to do, but for most of my clients, that's a piece of it. But some clients want to write a novel. Some clients want to just spend time with their family. Some of my clients have lost a loved one, like a parent or a partner, and they want time to heal. But ultimately, you know, the first part of your break really needs to be about that rest, recovery, recharge, reconnect, like getting back to your essence and really feeling like you're restored. But I think that it's so easy to feel like it will just magically sort of unfold your next step if you go on this break and you go long enough. But that doesn't really happen because there are really important questions you have to ask yourself and they're not always comfortable and they're not always easy to answer. So the re-entry period is literally this buffer of time where your intention is getting clear on what you want your next step to be and then taking actions to seed that result, right? If it's going back to a job and it could be with the same company, it could be with a different company, or it could be changing careers altogether, 
updating your resume, having networking conversations, getting back in touch with people, you know, practicing any skills, getting up to date on skills, doing a certification, going to a community education class if you're interested in career change to find out more about the things that you're interested in, taking a language program, like anything that sort of helps you move towards that goal. The reentry period is a time to get clear on that goal and to take actions to basically like seed a successful transition back into work. I know this is not a financial podcast, but like, how did you save $40,000 in 18 months? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was a journey. I started by tracking. When I say that to my clients, they roll their eyes and they're like, oh my God, I really don't want to do that. But it's one of the most powerful things you could do because you can't change a habit that you're not even aware of. And so, you know, I view money as energy, like you work hard for it. This is what you get in exchange. And so when I send it back out into the world, I want to be spending it on things that matter to me that get me closer to my goals or that bring me like complete joy or light me up or fulfill me in some way. And what I discovered when I started tracking is that I had money going out all over the place and it wasn't always to things that mattered to me. And so, you know, I was basically like saving $150, $200 a month. And I was making at the time like $90,000. That is crazy, right? I wasn't extravagant, but in my mind, I kind of secretly always knew like, oh, I didn't go crazy this month. So now at the end of the month, I can buy those shoes or I can do this thing. So like I was always sort of living at my means because my brain was like, oh, you can treat yourself this month because you did so well at the beginning of the month. So I was always spending what I made. And ultimately, I realized that wasn't working in my best interest. So when I started saving money, I started with the categories where I was spending an obscene amount of money. And I started just making little shifts. So one of my obscene categories, which is kind of embarrassing, but it is the truth. I was spending $700 a month at the grocery store as a single person. And like, I don't even have a big appetite, but I was a whole food shopper and I would just go there after work when I was stressed out and I would just like impulse shop for joy, right? Like I would just be like, I want those $12 gluten-free cookies with walnuts in them. Those look delicious, right? And so I was just like spending my money to help myself feel better. And there's nothing wrong with that. But by seeing it, I had this gut reaction of like, oh my gosh, I am a whole food shopper. I really support the mission of like knowing where my food comes from and supporting like, you know, local farmers and stuff. But at the same time, that feels obscene. So I was able to set a different goal of 350. And then I started shopping with, you know, like a recipe list and like not allowing like impulse shopping, but rather maybe shopping with a list and being more careful about the things I was buying or waiting until something went on sale. Right. And so it was like little things like that, that eventually added up to big savings. And then halfway through, I ended up moving out of my apartment, which was pretty expensive and moved into a very nice apartment, but with a coworker who was also working to save money as fast as she could for a different reason within a year. And so I had like my own bedroom, my own bathroom, heated covered parking in Minneapolis, but I had a roommate and I was able to save an extra thousand dollars a month. So when you said that you spent seven hundred dollars in groceries, I was like, okay, this has to be Whole Foods, right? It's cause like yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, the joke is that Whole Foods is Whole Paycheck, right? Yeah, Whole Paycheck. Yeah, I was like splitting my time between the local co-op and Whole Foods, but the co-op was just as expensive at Whole Foods. So yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So like, are you living more of a minimalistic style as they would say? Yes. So I sold all of my things when I left for my break or most of my things when I left for my first career break. I've actually taken two and I accumulated more things the three years in between those two breaks. But when I left for my second break, I once again sold pretty much everything that I owned. And so I think for me in this phase of life, you know, it's been really powerful to have a simplified way of living and it's helped me sort of amplify that feeling of freedom 
And as a digital nomad, you know, I'm basically traveling with a carry-on suitcase or a backpack and then like a work backpack. So I keep it pretty simple. I definitely envision myself settling down into a home again at some point, and I'm sure I will accumulate more things. I like things, but for where I'm at right now, it's really helped me save money. It's really helped me like focus and to just feel very light and free and to not be placing undue importance or emphasis on things that don't actually fulfill me, right? Instead, it's experiences, it's travels, it's investment with people and all of those things. Great. And let's say the last month or a couple of months before you decided to go back into the job market. So how did you plan all that out and get all those job offers fairly quickly once you were ready to get back into work? Yes, such a great question. So, you know, my reentry period was about four and a half to five months. And I spent the first few months of that just giving myself permission to adjust back into the idea of working. So, you know, I had spent at that point like over a year doing whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, waking up when I wanted, eating soup for $2 at a street, you know, like on the street in Vietnam, and then like going, you know, to Argentina and living very affordably. And so I was used to having what I wanted when I wanted it and just living very carefree. I didn't even do laundry, right? Because it was like there were people doing laundry because it was like $3. And I'm like, this is amazing. And so as silly as it sounds, coming back, I was really cranky. And it took me like maybe three weeks to really just adjust to this is my life now. Like I have to care about things like vacuuming the space I live in and I have to do my laundry and I have to like get up at a time and like have a routine again. And so, you know, it was an adjustment period. And I basically spent some time just getting that out and becoming reacclimated. But then I also did a bunch of classes for fun. So I was in Denver at that time and I attended basically like community ed adult enrichment for actually one of them was on having a business as a life coach, but things like fermenting your own vegetables, language classes, like just anything that sparked curiosity and interest for me. I was like, I want to know more about that. I want to explore myself. And so maybe like two to three months into that experience, I really sat with myself. And I said, okay, Katrina, you've tried a lot of things. You've done a lot of exploring. What is your new big goal? Previously, my big goal was to make this break happen. I focused all my energy and resources on that. But what is my new goal? And the answer that came to me was become debt-free, get your financial freedom so that you can become an entrepreneur. You can travel around the world. You can do whatever you want to do because you will never owe someone else money. Become debt-free as fast as possible. And so once I knew that was my goal, I was like, okay, I know how to do this by working in corporate. So I'm going to go back to corporate. I'm going to pay off all my debt as fast as possible. And so I need to get a good job, but I need to find that balance between you know, a job that pays well and a job that I actually want to be at that feels like in some way it's aligned with who I am and what I'm looking to do. So you know, when you ask how I did it, once I had that clarity, my first step was to update my resume because it was very out of date. And that was really hard. I don't know about you, but like for me, resume writing is just like, oh my God, so painful. And so it took me a while, but I did it. I got a recruiter. I had the recruiter look at it, the sort of headhunter look at it. And once he approved it with some changes or suggestions, you know, I sent it out. And Basically, like that was when I say I got five job offers in five weeks, I start the timer the day that my resume was updated and finished. And I started sending it out into the world through the recruiter. I started posting online. I did a lot of LinkedIn searching. You know, I have a couple of like, I think key ingredients to my success in that job search. But one, I talked about my break. Like people sometimes feel ashamed or like they want to hide it or they just want to gloss over it and get back to their qualifications or their like, achievements in their job. 
but this is your chance. This is an opportunity to be the most interesting person in the room. This is your chance to show someone how outside of the box you can think, how brave you can be, sort of how true and authentic and true to yourself, you know, that you are willing to be in search of living a good full life. And so for me, I included that in my cover letter. There was a little bit of a mention on my resume and the additional information just completed, you know, recently completed a one-year trip around the world or a 20-month trip around the world. But in my cover letter, I really leaned into, this is why I was on a break and this is why you will so be excited to work with me, right? And so, you know, part of the ingredient of success was only applying for jobs where I genuinely was interested in something about that job, whether it was the location, the people, the role, the company, the industry, like there was something I was truly genuinely excited for. And I really highlighted that in the interview, but I talked about my break and so many people in the interviews would ask me about my break and they wanted to know, like, were you scared? What was the highlight? What was your favorite country? And being able to connect, you know, when they go off to discuss all of the candidates, you're the person that took a break. You're the person that traveled around the world. Like everybody else has the same qualifications as you. And honestly, like probably similar experiences. And so you get to be all of that plus this amazing person that did this very memorable thing and somebody that they would want to talk to in an airport layover, you know, when they're heading to a business meeting. And so you know, for me, I think talking about it and having a really positive energy and belief, like you want to ask me about this, you need to ask me about my break because it was freaking fantastic, right? I think that was so important to my success as well. Going back to the resume cover letter portion. So like a lot of people try to hide it. Like some might not even include it. If it's like a one-year break, they might not even include it. They just say like, let's say 2021. Some might put like one line. So how did you actually position the career break on your resume? Yeah. So I didn't explain it on the resume. I did have a lot of job experiences. So I let those sort of shine also because, you know, like resume searches are looking for keywords and things like that. And it's kind of like just the first sort of like primary hurdle, right? Like, do you have enough qualifications for me to even consider like this any further? And so on that, I only put it in the additional info of like, you know, recently completed a 20 month trip around the world. Like if you read this far, you're like, oh, that's interesting. And it also kind of explained why there was a gap. But like, I just leaned into that and was fine with that being, you know, letting my experience speak for itself and look for the keywords in the searches. But if there was an opportunity to include a cover letter, or if I could send an email, if it was like an introduction through someone, I leaned into my break then where I had more words to explain how amazing I thought it was, and how much it gave me, you know, and like the job I ended up accepting was in the natural and organic food and product industry, which obviously like $700 a month whole food shopper, I am that consumer. So for me, there was so much alignment. And so speaking to, you know, I'd previously been working in like, consumer packaged goods in a food industry that I didn't necessarily support as a consumer. And so I took this trip around the world. You know, I took a million food tours. I really reignited my passion for food, but also really feel like this next iteration of my career, I want to show up as somebody who is in alignment and, you know, like spending my time, energy and experience helping brands I believe in be successful. I remember the manager that hired me, he ended up being my manager. He said when the cover letter and the resume came off of the printer for my application, I think it had been open for like two or three weeks at that point. He read it and he ran over next door to his colleague and was like, I think we found the person like before they'd even interviewed me. Right. Because it was just between the cover letter and my experience. It was like, yeah, no, I think this is the person. And so obviously I came in, I did all the interviews. But, you know, that is the power of really leaning into what makes you special and, you know, not being afraid and shying away from that. 
you bust a myth right now because a lot of people like on LinkedIn or what have you saying that people don't read cover letters anymore, but this person read the cover letter and actually wanted to bring you in. So like, again, like you never know if they read it or not. Always best to put your best foot forward. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I know times are always changing, but I still think like, I love to tell a story, right? So if I can tell you a story and that's a strength of mine, I'm going to take every opportunity I can, like you said, to put my best foot forward. And even if it's not that and it's casual connection, right? I'm going to drop nuggets in my emails or when I'm following you on social media and I'm commenting, like I'm going to intentionally drop some nuggets about who I am and what I've done. I'm going to make you curious so that you want to bring me in and talk to me about it, you know? Yeah, and it goes back to what you said about like leaning into the career break because everybody wants, to, well, not everybody, like people want to take like a break and travel the world. And then the fact you did it, it actually inspires them and like brings curiosity and they want to know more about how you did it. Because like you said, like everybody else is the same qualifications, like this person worked at company A, this work at company B, this person might have been laid off due to COVID. Like, it's all the same type of stories. But when you voluntarily took a 20 month break to travel the world, definitely a conversational starter, right? 100%. And you know, I am insanely, if you cannot tell, insanely passionate about it, but I'll also keep it real, right? So I had a recruiter that had reached out to me when I was on a break and I was like, not now, I'll get back to you when I'm looking for work. So I did. And he was cool. You know, he found opportunities that weren't necessarily the perfect fit for me, but there was one that he ended up finding that I almost took. But there was another recruiter who was a woman and I was so excited to connect with her. And I remember she found me and she reached out to me previously. So I had reconnected with her as well. And I remember her having the intro conversation with me after like, you know, understanding what I had been doing. And she said to me, listen, I know that your break was meaningful for you, but just to keep it real, it's going to be a red flag for the employers looking to hire people. So I want you to mentally prepare yourself that you're probably going to have to take a demotion and you're probably going to have to take a pay decrease and get in and like work really hard to prove yourself. And not that no one will hire you, but I need you to understand this is a red flag. So like we have to be willing to take a step back to take two steps forward. And some people could defer to her as the expert, right? This is what she does for a living. But what was true for me is I felt this woman does not get what I'm about. And that's okay because she has not lived my life and she does not see what I see. She did not travel around the world for 20 months. She doesn't know what I got out of this experience. And she also doesn't know what I'm capable of. This is a 30 minute conversation and a piece of paper. She can't possibly know me. And so I decided in that moment that she was wrong and I was going to prove her wrong. And I thanked her for her time and I decided not to work with her or let her look for any jobs. And guess who proved her wrong? Like I did, right? Like one of those jobs was like a $30,000 pay increase with a promotion. And it's because I only sought out jobs, like I said, that I was genuinely interested in some aspect of that job. So I was becoming my genuine, authentic self and connecting in an honest way. I wasn't just like interviewing out of desperation. Like, do you want to hire me? Do you want to hire me? I'll pretend. I'll pretend I care. Like I genuinely could tap into that part of me that cared. But I also was really confident about my break and what I brought to the table and that my break was actually an Asset and the right people saw that. So not everyone has to agree that your break is great. And not everyone will support that your break can be a career booster. But if you decide that it can be, then it can be. Absolutely. Again, you can't get everybody like you and your decisions, right? It's finding the people that support your decision. And that's what matters. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back to what you said about this recruiter, about saying that a long career breaks are red flags. Some people are thinking about taking a career break, but they're actually have that fear, right? Like, am I going to be unhirable? Am I going to have to take a demotion or decrease? So what's your thoughts on all that? I think this is a very common fear. So when people come to me, this is something that I hear a lot is, am I going to jeopardize my career success, right? 
is it going to be gone? Am I going to erode all this hard work? Am I going to basically not be on track to get promoted? Here's what I want to say. You know, I personally have supported over 40 career breaks beyond the two, you know, of my own. And so as much as it can feel like it's the end, I want to remind you all of that experience, all of that education and your network come with you. Those all come with you. No one takes that away from you. So when you show up a year later, six months later, you know, 20 months later, you are still that person. Maybe there's a little bit of rust on your PowerPoint skills, but like you are a person who did things, who accomplished things, who knows how to get things done and figure things out. So number one is you are always you. No one takes away those things from you, right? Those aspects of you. But number two is imagine what version 4.0 of you is capable of. Like what if you just stopped time and took six months off to do things that made you happy, to do things that sparked your creativity, to do things that inspired you, to do things that remind you that life is really worth living and that you are a powerful creator that can bring things into your life that you are desperately, desperately craving, that you can go feel connected and recharged and have quality time with people that you love and meet new people that you really like and enjoy, and that you get to rest and restore and recover and get your body, your mind sort of like all on the same page and really leave the burnout behind. That version of you will achieve infinitely more than the version of you that's burned out and refuses to get off the hamster wheel because if you stop running, you're afraid that everyone's going to get ahead of you. It's kind of like, you know, you're walking and then maybe you graduate to a bicycle and everybody's like bicycling on the same path trying to win the race. Yeah. When you get off the bicycle, like you're going to lose some time. You're going to lose some progress. But when you jump in the car and you get back in the race, like in five minutes, you're going to have caught up to everyone and far, far past them, right? And so that is what you are doing when you take a break, if you design it with intention, right? If you're thoughtful about what do I really need to get out of this experience and how do I give it to myself? Who you are at the end of it can achieve so much more and do it with so much more joy and so much more inspiration. And I've seen this you know, play out not just for myself, but for many of my other clients. And here's the crazy thing. I have clients who have been in a break and been recruited out of a break for a job that paid more money because they had a skill that was really well-valued or they had a network where people just really love working with them and was like, hey, I know you're on a break. I just want you to know, like, we have this position. It's a contract thing. If you would just come out, like, maybe just maybe you'd want to work with us. I have people that have switched careers and had to navigate that, you know, and that was done too. It was really about following their curiosity during the break and allowing the seeds to be planted and to network and to get to know people and then sort of like find their way into their second or third career. I have people who have launched their own businesses. And I have a couple that actually took a leave of absence and came back to the same job but they didn't know what their new role was going to be. And even they said, right, like people in their company could see, you know, just a difference in the level of energy they had and excitement and lots of people so interested to know about their break experience. You know, so I've seen so many people successfully navigate, you know, returning, but it's because they allowed themselves this time to really thoughtfully, you know, improve and to really better themselves and re-inspire themselves. Yeah, it's both like the hamster wheel, right? Because if you're working nonstop, like eventually your productivity diminishes over time compared to someone who takes a break and then goes like 110 when they come back, right? Yeah, just imagine that you, yes, imagine that you're working and you're only giving yourself two hours of sleep every night for a month. And then somebody else is working and they're getting eight hours of sleep. Like, yes, you might technically get more done in the beginning, but soon after, like your brain is worthless, right? Like you're spending all those waking hours, but you're not really producing anything. Meanwhile, the person that is well-rested is like, 
giving quote unquote less hours to their job, but those hours are so much more impactful. And it's just like who you are when you give yourself what you need. It's like you can do anything, right? But we're so afraid to stop running and stop racing. We're just so afraid we're going to lose our spot. I don't want to lose my spot. If I get off this wheel, can I get back on? The answer is yes. That wheel will always be waiting for you. They will always want you back on the wheel. And it's your choice if you want to get back on or not when your break is over. Yeah. And speaking of which, so you took one career break, you end up working as a company and you took a second career break and then you start your business. Is that the process? Yeah. So I had started my business on the side right before I took a break, but I was feeling like I just wanted to travel some more. So once I like kind of started my business, I let it happen in the background where I would take people that would get referred to me or see my LinkedIn page, but I really didn't solicit business. I wasn't marketing or anything like that. And I was just sort of traveling around the world and doing really cool things like taking a nomad cruise with 300 other digital nomads from Barcelona to Brazil. But once I kind of got settled and got back, I was like, okay, let's do this full time. Let's lean into it. And then, you know, I started showing up and marketing and having like genuine offers to make for people of how I could help them and show people, you know, how they could change their lives and creating content so that they could understand how to make it happen for themselves. So going back to your second career break, how did you decide that taking your business full time was the right move compared to just going back to another corporate job? Okay. So my soul has always wanted to be free. That's one of my highest values. And so I think once I became debt-free, so I paid off the last $42,000 of my student loan debt in about 21 months. And then I got certified as a life coach and started you know, doing my business as a side hustle at that point while I was working my corporate job to save a little money. But I've always desired to be free. And I remember my last company, I loved my bosses. They were so amazing. But I remember this very pivotal moment when I had like bought super cheap tickets to Italy. So there were tickets from like Minneapolis to like Bologna, Italy for like $400 round trip with one layover. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So I bought the tickets. And it was like maybe six months before I left. And I mentioned it, right? I just said it like, hey, I'm buying these tickets. I'm going to Italy. But I forgot to put it on the calendar. And so I realized maybe like six weeks before that I forgot to put on the calendar. So I tried to put it on the calendar. And it turns out like one of my bosses who we shared the same job. So we were doing the same thing. Like she'd forgotten to put a work trip on her calendar. And so it was kind of like pandemonium because two people that do the same thing in this very small company were going to be out at the same time. And I remember, you know, feeling bad about that. But I was also like, I gave six weeks notice and like travel is my thing. And it was $400. Like I had to go. But I remember it being such a big deal that it came back on my annual review. And it was like, listen, this happened. We understand. But also like next time, what we really need from you is to like ask us before you make those plans, right? Like we're probably going to say yes, but like we need you to ask us first before you make those plans. And I just remember in that moment, being like really, really certain that I was not a good employee anymore, right? Like I want freedom. I want to be the boss of when I take a vacation. I want to be the boss of when I work, when I don't. And so for me, it was like once I was financially free and you know had my financial independence, there was no reason to be an employee if I didn't want to be one. And I just really wanted to live a life that felt much more empowered and much more free and where I could be the one making the decisions, right? Yeah. And like you said, debt-free is probably the greatest feeling. You don't have anybody controlling your decisions, right? You have to go to work to pay a credit card bill. You can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. You just don't owe anyone anything. You get to just be who you are. And like, if you want to spend less, you just spend less, right? Like it's not like this past cloud, you know, hanging over you based on past choices and not that debt is bad, but you know, there's just a freedom to feeling like you don't owe anyone anything and that you can live as big or as small as you want to. And how did you pay off all that student debt? What's some financial advice you can give my listeners who might be listening right now and have some student debt that they are trying to pay off so they can get a mortgage and all that for um, to move to the next part of their life? 
So there were a couple things I did that were really, I think, helpful. One is that I put all of like my lump sums I would use to put towards paying down my debt. So I would pay down the highest interest loans because I had several loans. I would pay down the highest interest ones first. And, you know, if I would get like a bonus or some type of, you know, like amount of money, it was like a significant amount. I would at least put half of it, if not more, into just making like this lump sum payment. So that really took it down quickly. But one of the biggest things that I did that not everyone can do, but if you can do, it. Like it was really great for me. I had a home equity line of credit and it had about $30,000 of credit on that line. And so I realized one day, you know, my interest rates on my student loans were like six and a half, seven, eight percent. They were insanely high. And my home equity line was like three and a half percent. And it was tax deductible. And my student loans, because of my tax bracket, were not. So I actually ended up writing a check from my or transferring from my home equity line of credit to pay off the last $30,000 of student loans. And then I worked to pay off my home equity line of credit. And that was so helpful because I paid way less interest. And then I also got the tax deduction. So I was able to do it much faster because of that move. So I think that move alone was probably really the most impactful. But I also, like I said, I paid down my highest interest things first. and was very conscious of where I was dedicating my money when I was trying to pay all those off. So throughout your journey, taking two career breaks, realizing that you are no longer a fit for the employee world, what are three life lessons that you could share with someone in their career journey right now? You know, life lessons is such a big one. So I will keep it simple. I will say this. I will say one thing is it's okay not to know what comes next. It's totally okay. And oftentimes, even if we think we know, what comes next will not be the thing that we thought. So I believe, right, one of the best things you can do is just get really clear on what your truth is. So when I say that, you know, I mean that when I needed a break, I was super clear. I don't know how this happens. I don't know exactly what this looks like, but I need to leave and I need to take a break and I want to travel. You know, when I came back and I had to ask myself what comes next, that seed of truth was I want to be debt free. I want to have financial independence so that I can do whatever I want forever and ever and even start my own business if I want, right? So knowing what your seed of truth is is enough. And if that feels complicated, focus on like what feels good to me? What is my biggest desire? Like what is it that I really want to feel I really want to have in this moment? What matters the most? Life lesson number two is we are humans, not machines. And, you know, over the average working time, I think we all spend at least 90,000 hours working in our jobs. And the idea that we are scared to take a thousand hours, which is what we would be taking if we took like a six month break, a thousand hours to dedicate to ourselves is crazy. We need time to recharge. We need time to be re-inspired. You know, we need time to rest. We're people. Like that's what we do. We're human beings, you know, not human doings. And so I think it's just so critical to remember that. And I think the third thing, you know, that I would say as a life lesson is life can be amazing when you get clear on what you want. And I think so often we're chasing goals of what we think other people want for us or You know, it all started out to be true for us when we were 22, right? Like, what was your dream coming out of college? Oh, I want to make good money and I want to travel the world and I want to have fancy vacations or I want to like buy a house, whatever that is, it's okay. But you at 32, you at 42, you at 35, like you have different goals than 21 and 22 year old you did. But so often we don't really stop and ask ourselves, is this really what I want? Or is this like just me trying to like keep amplifying and keep sort of like, you know, 
up leveling my old goal, but is this really my new goal? Is this what I really want? Or do I want something completely different now that I've achieved those old goals? Because I think oftentimes we just double down. Well, now I want to get promoted. Well, now I want to be a manager. Well, now I want to be, you know what I mean? It's like, we're just chasing the same goal, just like at a higher version, but maybe those goals don't feel aligned anymore. So I think the importance of stopping to ask ourselves like, who am I now? And what do I want now? And it's okay for it to be different than what it was two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. The common thing that you talk about in terms of those goals is that they're all extrinsic. They're all looking for extrinsic result. And I find that if you focus on extrinsic results, you're not going to push yourself to get it. And once you do get it, you realize it wasn't all that, right? A hundred percent. That's so well said. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you'll get it, right? Like you'll get it. And then you'll be like, why do I still feel kind of like empty or sad or whatever? You know, it doesn't last. That good feeling doesn't last the way that you think it will. Yeah. And going back to the third life lesson you brought up in terms of like having a clear direction of where you actually want to go and who you want to be. So let's say someone listening right now is wanting to do a career break. How would you suggest that they go about it? Let's say they want to take a career break. Like do they have to plan a few months before they want to make the move or what's your advice on that? Such a good question. So in a dream world, right, you would plan a few months before. I would say like the sweet spot is probably like six months before. But I have clients that have found me right at the beginning of their break. They found me like a few months into their break. So no matter when you start, I would say the important thing is that you know where to start. And the very first thing you need to do is to be clear on your purpose and what I call themes of your break. So for themes, I ask all my clients to have four, four themes, only four. What are the four things you really need this experience to give you or to be for it to be successful for you? It's basically defining what a successful experience is on your terms. And I like those themes to be like simple words, right? Like learning, connection, restoration, recharge, detox, healing, whatever it is, whatever your words are. So I think that is the most grounding and important thing because from that place, you can then figure out what are all the activities or all the places or all the things I want to do, right? But when you're understanding why you're doing them, it helps you create a plan that is going to set you up for success. So again, six months before, sweet spot. Some people plan way before. I mean, I was planning 18 months in advance because saving money was a big part of my plan. And so I got to have a lot of dream time where I was just fantasizing about all the ways I could spend this time, right? And I definitely have clients that have planned as far as two years in advance. But I think, you know, in that six months to 12 months is like a sweet spot of it being close enough to stay like a motivating goal, but you have enough time to really thoughtfully experience life and sort of sit with these ideas instead of just impulsively picking a plan and going with it. Because what I find in my work with my clients is that over time, as they start to become more grounded, sort of even like more thoughtful versions of themselves, their plans for their breaks evolve with them, right? So in our coaching, they're creating this higher level experience and they're like questioning old beliefs. And then they're like, oh, and now I realize I don't actually want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. And I don't want to go for six months. I want to go for 12 months. And so, you know, I think there's a magic in that as well. How about the uh, financial planning side of things in terms of like financially planning your career break? Because you're not going to be making, or at least not making the money that you had before, right? When you were still working. Absolutely. So I think it's important to, as best you can, like estimate how much you think the break would cost. Now, some people start with the number and they're like, I have $20,000. So I'm going to take a break that costs $20,000 and I'll reverse engineer the break to fit that budget. For other people, it's like, and which was my case, right? It's like, what are all the things I want to do? And then estimating how much I think each of those pieces will cost, adding it together and saying, oh, I think I need $40,000, right? So once you have the number, you can figure out, do I have that amount? If I don't have that amount, can I start tomorrow like trying to save for that amount? Now, some of my clients have the money, but it still feels like a hurdle for them because they have all of these expenses or they just have, you know, like they're used to spending a lot more. 
And so if you have access to a lot of money, but you also have complicating factors, some of my clients go to financial planners, right? And they say like, this is the thing I want to do. I think I need, you know, 35,000 for this break, but I want to make sure, you know, my mortgage is going to be paid and I'm still investing in this and doing the thing. And so I think financial planners can be a great resource, but I think the place you start is by figuring out whether it's a budget for the break or figuring out what your dream break would cost and kind of having that goal and that number. So you know what you need to do to make it happen. When you had your career breaks or sabbaticals, did you ever get an itch? It's kind of like vacation, right? Like you go for a week and say, okay, I'm ready to go home and actually uh, go back to work. Like, did you ever have that like feeling? And when did you have that feeling during that 20 month break? So <laughs> I never wanted to go back. In fact, that was the struggle is that I got a taste of it and I was like, I never wanted to end. And so when I had my cranky period, you know, coming back like the three weeks where I was readjusting, so much of that was because I didn't want it to be over. I just wanted to keep doing what I wanted to do. I definitely see sort of like two paths that my clients go on. So actually, this is like two very recent clients were a great sort of juxtaposition on this. One client, you know, was a guy that had worked in healthcare and was feeling burned out and he took a five month break. But for him, it was like, he was such a doer. And I think he was so used to contributing, you know what I mean? And being of service that it was hard for him. He felt a calling and a desire to come back to work, to be able to do. Like for him, there was a joy in doing. So we had to work really hard on giving himself permission to just be in the space, to have the free time, to really like stop rushing through life. And he really had a huge transformation in that. And like this epiphany of like, how deep his desire to just rush through life and hurry and hurry and be super efficient was. And I think once he released that, you know, he had to sit in that sort of new space and practice it. But then there was a moment where he felt like, you know what, I'm really feeling like I want to be working again. And so for him, it was like this, just knowing that he wanted to get back to doing and to contributing. And for another client who actually is going through a re-entry period now, and just, I think she starts work this week. Her break was, I believe it was almost a year. And for her, she similarly, there was a point where she thought, I just want to do this forever. But eventually, you know, when she looked at her finances, she's like, I could do this a while longer. But what I'd really like to do is to build my cushion back up and to also just, you know, she moved cross country during her break. So I think there was a part of her that also wanted to build community. And, and, you know, work can be great for that, right? Like having coworkers and peers, especially if you're in a new city, it can be an easy way to meet people. And so for her, it was just this realignment of goals where she maybe didn't want to break to end, but she was like, I think my most important goal now is really just integrating into this new community that I'm in and rebuilding my financial cushion. And so she got a job and she found one very quickly. I mean, very easily. And it was really cool to watch that happen. What's the plan in terms of like timeline of re-entering back into the workforce? So what do you recommend people start uh, thinking about and start doing when they're ready to go back? Again, I feel like the one for six is a great sort of like minimum time rule as far as like how long it should be. And your re-entry period should always come at the end of your break. So, you know, if you had a one month re-entry period at the beginning of that month, you're really sitting with the question of like, what do I know to be true? What is my next big goal? What is the truth about what I want for myself going forward? And it might be to make a move. You might be like, I'll take any job. I just want to live in Seattle. Or you might be like, I want to work in an industry I'm passionate about. Or you might be like, I just want to find a great team at a small company where I'm not going to be treated like a number. Whatever that is, get clear on what is true for you. And then take the steps that you need to take to find that job, whether it's networking, resume stuff, recruiting, conversations, getting certification, whatever that is, you know, use that time to be building towards that goal and making it happen is really what I recommend. Nice. And to close off this conversation, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned throughout the career breaks and all the clients that you work with? Like, what's the one common thing that a lot of these clients have in common that you've worked with? Oh, that's such a good question. So 
There's probably several things, but I think maybe the one of the ones that rises to the top for me, everybody thinks that this plan is crazy. Everybody has extreme doubt that this can be for them or that they're going to navigate it well or that there's going to be something good waiting for them on the other end. And every single person that I have worked with through a career break or into a career break, if we were pre-planning, has had a happier situation after their break, right? So they've come out of it feeling like their quality of life and what they have in life as far as like, you know, the job or the income producing, you know, thing that they're doing and the life that they have is better than the life that they started with before their break. And it's amazing to me how much doubt, you know, can be out there, but I've seen it time and time again, like everybody that I have worked with that has planned thoughtfully and intentionally, you know, in that break and designed it with like love and care has come out of it creating a better next chapter than the one that they had before their break started. And so like, I'm like, I don't even believe that hype anymore. Like when people come to me, they're like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if it's for me. I'm like, I got you. Just sit down. We got this covered. I've heard this story before, you know? Awesome. So podcast, as you're aware, is about helping career professionals overcome common career challenges. So my last question to you for this episode is, what has been one big career challenge or one mindset shift that you had to make in order to get to where you are today? Well, I want to make this really relevant for your audience. So I would say one of the biggest shifts for me is realizing that I had to be a creator. So in my first several jobs, I had several jobs even within my two careers. I felt like I just needed to follow the rules as best I could. But I think the most success for me when I experienced success was when I got invested enough, cared enough, and had enough confidence to really like do it my way, right? To sort of like really own it and to sort of put my own spin on it and to stop just feeling like I had to follow the rules and to really be creative in my solution. So if I was given like a task to really ask myself, well, what is the goal? And do I think this is the best way to do it? Or would I tweak this somehow? Or would I change this? And like pushing back to say, hey, I had this idea. I feel like that made me a more valuable contributor, but it also created more success and also let me kind of shine in that way. But I didn't always realize that, right? Sometimes I was like, I just need to follow the rules the best. I need to like do exactly what they say and that will like make everything be okay. But honestly, you know, it doesn't because sometimes they're asking for things and you know better than they that like this isn't going to yield the result that they really want. So I think giving myself the permission to be a creator and to have that level of investment was really helpful. Awesome. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about your work in terms of helping them plan their career break sabbatical so they become more energized and build, accelerate their career once they're ready to come back? Absolutely. So you can find me online at bestbreakever.com. And that's my website and you can find out more about me. But also I show up on Instagram at Coaching. That's K-M-C-G-H-E-E coaching. And I also have a LinkedIn account. But you know, if you DM me on Instagram or message me on LinkedIn or send me a message through my website, we can talk more You know about where you are. I have a lot of great content. Some of it is free. Some of it is working with me. You know, But I have a whole entire 30-minute video on the re-entry period that really breaks down what mine looked like, how much I spent, what I did, how to make it work for you. You, but I also have a free training on how to plan a break in addition to doing assessments to help people figure out their own career break timeline. Like how far away is their break and how long should it last? So I'm a resource. I'm here for you. Just reach out any way you want and let me know what you're working on and I'm sure I can hook you up. That's awesome. Again, I appreciate the time and thanks for sharing your story on how someone could use their career break to get to the next level. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again to Katrina for coming on my show and discussing how to properly strategize a career sabbatical so you can take your sabbatical stress-free and come back recharged, energized, and better than ever. 
If you want to hear my own thoughts and insights based on this episode, then make sure to check out Chan Cap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. As a reminder, if you are a professional that's looking to take your career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. Inside this group, I provide content to help take your career to the next level, whether it's finding a new job or advice to help advance your career. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. Again, this is Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening. Thank you.